We're going to go ahead and get started. I, um, I, I got the chance, actually, as, a, um, as an intern to have a guy in student ministry that I'm now best friends with. He lives right next to me. His name's Sawyer Strickland. Who loves Sawyer Strickland? I want to brag on Sawyer. I love Pastor Todd, but I also love Sawyer. I was able to speak in middle school a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, Sawyer was a student, just like you guys, when I interned. And somewhere in that time of graduating, going off to college, God called him to an incredible work that he's doing now as being student uh, or middle school director here at Westridge. So I just want to encourage you, as I look out in front of you guys, as I look out and I'm seeing you look back at me, there is no telling how many great, great, great people are in this room right now people that are going to be used, you guys that are going to be used in God's kingdom in incredible ways, whether you go in full-time ministry and you pursue something like Sawyer or Todd is doing, or you go in missions, or even if you just go in the workplace and you live your life in such a way that people see Christ in you. People, I mean, you guys are going to be doing incredible things. I love being able to see now from when I interned six years ago, where some of those students are in their walks with Christ, where they are in their careers, where they are so I just want to encourage you with that. But tonight, we're going to be in James chapter 3. We're going to be in James chapter 3. We're continuing our Under Pressure series. Last week, Blake was here, and I love, I love uh, Pastor Blake. He's going to be planting a church one day. You guys maybe are even going to go see him in Boston sometime in the future, leading a church, starting a huge thing in, uh, in Boston. We would love to see that. You guys even might know him from young adults and stuff. But now I'm here to continue on to James chapter three. But I want to do something before I continue into James chapter three. I want to try something, if you guys will let me. All right? Can I try something? I want to get my point across by just trying something here in the room. Okay, it might be a little different. Might not have seen this before, but can I try it? All right? Okay. You see, words are powerful. Words can completely change the air in a room. Words can completely change how a room, a room feels. Words can uplift people. Words can destroy people. Our words are extremely powerful. And in a minute, I want to walk through James chapter 3 to show you how powerful they really are. But I want to start with an, a, little, a little example of how powerful I think words are to me personally. Words are powerful because my love language is, and maybe there's like five of them, maybe if you've read the book, maybe you've, I don't know, maybe you haven't, but when you get married one day, someone's going to encourage you to know what your love languages are so that you and your spouse 
can understand each other better. I'll tell you what mine is. If you don't know, if you're not familiar with all of them, you don't need to know all of them. But mine is words of affirmation. So my wife knows that for me in particular, she can change how I feel about a situation or about how a day is going based on the words that she says to me. So words of affirmation, basically affirming me what I've done, what I'm doing with her words. So let me tell you what that looks like. I might, I don't know, be um, working on a project at the house. And when she comes home, if I've been building something or working on something or this or that, maybe it's a project at work here, I don't know. But if she comes home and she won, is like, oh, that's what you've been spending all your time on? Or, ah, that doesn't look so good. Or even if she doesn't say anything at all, if she doesn't even acknowledge it, that can completely deflate me. And maybe you know what that's like. That's not just uniquely you. I specifically am that way too. But maybe if she were to come home and say, oh, wow, that is incredible. You did a really good job with that. I'm really, I'm proud of you. That's, you, you took your time, you took the time to build this. You took the time to work on this. That is really good. Those are words of affirmation that when I receive them, I feel loved by her and I'm ready to like go on a date night and go to the movies and have fun because it uplifts how I feel. So words are so powerful Enough of what I have to say. Let's dive into James chapter 3. Verses 3 through 6 say, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil, the part, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself it itself set on fire by hell. So I'm going to explain a lot of things there that we just read that James is trying to show us. But I want to explain basically what he's saying. So to start off with his first example, a bit to a horse. If you're not familiar with what a bit is and how it relates to a horse, a bit is the small piece of metal that goes into the mouth of a horse that when it's turned one way or the other, it steers the entire horse in that direction. So I don't know, a horse weighs maybe 900 to 2,000 pounds. Generally, like if it's a Clydesdale, it's a large horse, the kinds you see in parades. It's probably like a 2,000-pound horse. So how is it that a small piece of metal that weighs maybe four to eight ounces can turn such a two, such as a large 2,000 pound horse. Yet that's what James is comparing our tongue to. Take the example of this, a rudder to a ship. His second example, 
So a cargo ship is about 700, generally about 700 feet. 700 feet, if you're not like, oh, I know exactly what 700 feet is. That is generally the size of maybe a certain wing of this church. I mean, it's from one side to the other, 700 feet is about the size of this church. But yet, it is steered and moved by about 20 feet of a rudder. So 700 feet, thousands and thousands of pounds on water is moved by a 20 foot rudder. So that's another example of, of James is comparing the strength that our tongue has and our words have. Yet the last one is probably the most astounding. This is crazy, crazy to even think this even existed or, or happened. So he says a forest fire in regards to a spark. So yeah, we see the forest fires on the news. Unless you're from that area, you probably don't know how damaging they are, how big they are. But the largest forest fire to ever happen in recorded history was actually in 2003, and it was in Russia. And it burned 47 million acres. Now, maybe you don't own property. I'm sure you don't yet. So you don't know how big an acre is. But Georgia is 8 million acres. So a forest fire burned like five, six times the size of the state of Georgia in Russia. And yet James says it all began and all started with a millimeter long spark. Just a small spark set 47 million acres on fire in Russia. And yet James is saying that is in comparison to the power our tongues and our words have. For example, to be more specific, our tongues only being a few inches of our body, but yet many times our, our actions, our words, everything we say, and even sometimes things we do all root in how we use one of the smallest muscles in our body, which is our tongue. Let's continue reading. James 3, 7 through 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So as you can see by now, in James 3, he's pleading a case and doing a really good job of pleading the case of how powerful our tongues are, how powerful our words are, and how out of control we've let them get. We've been able to tame some of the most dangerous, exotic animals this world has to offer, yet we can't tame the thing that is with us every single day. So after reading verse 7, I started to think, what are some of these most dangerous, what are some of the most dangerous animals that people have been able to tame? I mean, James says that we've been, we've been taming and have tamed some of the, all, I mean, the animals this world has to offer. So what are some of these animals and how dangerous really are, are they that we've been able to tame? So I've got a list here. Most dangerous animals in the world in order, starting with this one, hippos. Hippopotamuses, hip, 
hippopotamuses, like the Christmas song says, killed 200 people a year. But yet we've tamed them and they're in just about every zoo. Elephants, again, large creatures. We don't necessarily have to worry about them here in Georgia. But yet people have tamed them and again, in your everyday zoo, even the cheap ones. Crocodiles, uh, did I tell you how many people they kill a year? Elephants, by the way, 500. Uh, crocodiles kill 1,000 people a year, peoples a year, people a year. Yet crocodiles have been tamed, and again, in zoos, if you go to some places in Florida, it's not really a zoo, but it's like a cheap roadside attraction that you can still see a crocodile. What I'm getting at is those two have been tamed. Very dangerous, kill a thousand people a year when untamed, but tamed are in zoos. So here's where it gets a little crazy. Scorpions kill 3,300 people a year. That is almost twice the amount of crocodiles, elephants, and hippos combined. I don't want to lose you in all these facts, but they're so interesting to me. They really, James is, is, is pleading a case here, and these stats really back him up. Here's where it gets a little bit more personal. Dogs, dogs, our dogs, you probably have a dog. Raise your hand if you have a dog. Dogs are responsible for 59,000 deaths a year of people. Now, here's the thing. We have tamed dogs. Most of all of our dogs are not out of control. We have found a way to control the dogs that are in our house. They are tamed. And then we get to our most deadly animal, which is snakes. How many of us own snakes? A few. Snakes are responsible for 138,000 deaths of people a year. But yet, snakes have been tamed by people. We've been able to control and tame the snake. But those were just animals that I was reading you. There is one more statistic here that's pretty staggering. And it is backed up in scripture. I mean, James is still pleading this case. We've been able to tame all of these animals. But yet, it's our tongue that is the most out of control people are responsible for 500,000 deaths by homicide a year. It is people who still are the most dangerous threat to people. We have yet to figure out how to tame our tongue because oftentimes if you look at the statistics, almost 100% of these homicides root in situations where people let their words and what they said to others get out of control in one way or another, or even words that were said to them got out of control, and it led to this senseless death among people. It's not even the animals. that We've tamed animals. It's ourselves. So let me continue reading. James 3, 9 through 12. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So in a world filled with so many words that are harmful and poisonous and and evil, even as we see in Scripture, who who do we look to emulate? Because there's lots, of, there's lots of people out there that'll say really good things. But unfortunately, they're like us. They're human. The curse of sin is on them too. And sometimes their words aren't so nice. Even though maybe they, they put some nice things out there and it seems like, yeah, I can get behind that. But then later you find out that there's words actually they said and then they get canceled. So who do we emulate? Who actually has always said the right words at the right time and meant nothing but good from the words that came out of their mouth? I would say there's only one answer to that question. I think you know where I'm going. That answer is Jesus. Jesus is the only human ever that has lived a life on this earth that was perfect in every way and free from the curse of sin that we suffer from. And he was able to use his words in a way that always were meant for good. Always, never were meant for for evil. Never were poisonous. Never were hurtful or harmful. They were always meant for our good. It's verses like Luke 6, 27 and 28 that show us how to treat others with our words. Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And in Matthew, we see Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So here's the main point. We've read a lot of scripture. We've read a lot that is kind of not so good news. We've read a lot that is kind of, man, that's, that's not so good. That's kind of making us seem like we'll never be able to tame our tongue. But yet, we see that Jesus shows us that not only do our words matter, but they can ultimately point people back to Him and glorify our God in heaven. So tonight, I want to challenge you with something. I want to give you an action step to what I'm, the kind of the case that James is pleading here. Tonight, I want you to try to use your words and group in a way maybe you've never used them before. I want you guys to be able to go into groups tonight and maybe use your words in a way that brings hope or brings healing or brings love to someone in your group. Maybe it's simply your group leader. Maybe they've never heard how much you appreciate them. And you're able to use words to affirm them, just like I shared earlier, you're able to use your words to affirm them and how much they mean to you. I promise you there's no group leader here that doesn't want to hear that you appreciate them. That's just not going to happen. You're not going to find that. Maybe it's something that hasn't been said. You know that little moment of silence here earlier. Maybe it's something that hasn't been said. Our our words are powerful, but also the lack of words can be powerful. 
Maybe something between you and someone in your group has happened, and maybe they're a friend. Maybe you wouldn't consider them a friend. I don't know, but the words that haven't been said in that situation has created some tension and some awkwardness that needs to be resolved. Because ultimately, we cannot fully be the body of Christ together reckless if we amongst ourselves are not using our words to point people to Christ. When we out of one side of our mouth, and this is kind of what James is alluding to, to the fresh water and salt water, when, when one time we're saying how much Jesus loves us and he loves you and how powerful God's grace and love is, but yet the next day our words that are coming out of our mouth are talking bad about someone, it's defaming someone's character, it's talking negatively towards a situation or something that you feel that is, is negative in your eyes and you're over here, then you're talking over in this conversation about God's grace and his love, but then you go back to this one and you're gossiping. We can't do that. We cannot operate in the body of Christ in that way. And we see what Jesus says. We see his example. We can't let our words dilute the love and the grace that we see in Christ that we receive in him. And honestly, that brings me to my last point as we close. We have to determine at some point, yeah, it's great to look back and, and see Jesus' words and use those in a way that as we can see as an example and how he used his words. But at some point in time, we have to put our full faith and trust in him in all areas. And that might be where you're at tonight. Maybe Maybe you haven't started your walk with Christ. And maybe every example you had prior to seeing this example Jesus sits, sets is, has not been a good example of how to use your words. But then you're realizing, I also haven't had a good example for how to show others love. I also haven't had a good example of how to be generous. Yeah, I haven't had a good example of how to not use my words. But that's okay because we have that in Jesus. We have that in Jesus. So... Tonight, as I close, like I said, I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge you tonight in group to use your words in maybe a way you haven't used them before because they're powerful. We just saw that. James just showed us how powerful our words are. And then two, I want you to ask yourselves, where am I with Jesus? Is he my foundation? Am I just looking to him as an example of how to use my words? Or am I totally resting in him as my savior? So really quick, I want everyone to close their eyes here. We're going to close. We're going to go to group. And I promise if you've already got something on your mind where you're thinking, this is what I'm going to say, you're going to have the chance to do this. This is what I want to, this is how I want to use my words. You're going to have the chance to do this. But if tonight you're realizing there's never actually been a time that I've put my full faith and trust in Jesus to rule and reign over all areas, I want him, yes, to reign over the way I use my words, but I also want him to reign over the way that I love others, the way that I'm able to be used by him. I want him to rule and reign over all areas of my life. This is what you have to do. It's the simplest thing. You have to just put your full faith and trust in him. Jesus, he came to this earth. He lived an absolutely perfect life, a life that none of us could ever live. And he was put to death on a cross to pay the penalty that every single one of us deserve because of sin. 
because we can't use our words right, because we, everything we do is done through a lens of sin, and we one day have to die. Jesus died on the cross in our place so that we could be back in that right standing with God. Now, I just said a lot of things, and I just heads, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I just said a lot of things, and you might be like, I have no idea what in the world he was just talking about. That's okay, because when you guys go to group tonight, every single small group you have in your group, I mean, every single small group leader you have in your small group is going to be able to explain what that looked like to fully, for the first time, put your full faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, or maybe maybe even walk you through what it looks like to pray and receive salvation for the first time. So you can do that. But for the others in the room that are here tonight and you have decided to follow Jesus at one point in time, you are saved. You have put your full faith and trust in him. Tonight, we've got to work on how we use our words. So God, as I pray, as I close tonight, I just challenge myself I challenge all the students and leaders in the room to go into a time where we get to use our words to build up the body, to build up each other. God, I pray that we use our words in a way that is fresh water. God, we use our words in a way that is out of love. God, it's the number one thing that can cause us trouble. We see in James that we've never tamed the tongue, that we, we still struggle with that, but God, I pray we as a group take leaps towards that tonight. God, we love you. We thank you for this time to be able to come together, worship you, point people back to you, study scripture, renew our minds, God. Now I pray we get to go put it in action in groups. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.